Welcome back to Watch Out a Movie Podcast with Harry and Mitch. Uh, Hello. Today we're talking about The Invisible Man. And much like The Invisible Man, we are also invisible. You can't prove that we're not right now. That's a good... I like that. That's a good opener. They you they have no idea. They don't know. We could be we could be recording this in your attic, listener. We could be in your basement. We could be just uh, I don't know. We could just be like hovering around you. Not even your headphones aren't even plugged in. Yeah, true. We're just standing right next to you, like shouting at you on the street, mm-hmm. and, and you don't even know. We're on one on each side, just to get that yep. stereo um, feeling. Yep. Um, it's a classic prank. It is a classic prank. Yeah, we could have been invisible this whole time. As far as they this know, podcast, we are. This podcast is an elaborate ruse to drive someone insane. Look, we got you listener. We got hands on this very advanced technology, <laughs> and we thought the best use of this technology was to make a podcast because no one could prove that we don't have this technology. Here at Watch Out a Movie <laughs> Podcast, we often we often muse about not wearing pants. Yes. But what you don't know is that we're in fact wearing a full body uh, spy suit with some kind of invisibility technology the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> do you think? This- do you think he's wearing? Do, do you think they wear pants under the suit? I'll go a bit more into that because there was a theory I had yeah. <laughs> during the start of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we're talking about The Invisible Man. Yep. The last movie to ever be released in cinemas, as far as I can tell. Uh, yeah, for the foreseeable um, future. Cinemas are yep. dead. Um, directed by Lee Winnell, who is an Australian writer, director, and actor who you got to give a little holler. Shoots his movies in Australia, usually. He was the co-creator of Saw with James Wan. He, like, co-wrote the first three movies, starred in the first three movies, and um, also I think he worked on Insidious. So, pretty much his career started as, like, he was James Wan's, like, homie. But then he went off to work on, like, huge, massive productions, and Lee Winnell seems like he's kind of shot off in his own direction. His last movie, his last movie, Upgrade, which was also shot in Australia, was like a really solid little sci-fi kind of, kind of felt like had the essence of '80s sci-fi movies, but not like aesthetically, just kind of like story-wise, it was like a good concept for a good tight little concept that was done in like a good low-budget sci-fi movie that was a lot of fun, and now took up the reins on Invisible Man. After the the trash fire of the dark universe left it up on the table, mm, I was wondering how long it will take us to bring up the dark universe. Now, with mentioning the dark universe, I am tired of talking about the dark universe. Well, we've never done it on time, air. At the same time, it brings me endless joy. <laughs> so, so I'll go in for a minute. The dark universe was announced alongside the. Tom Cruise mummy movie that I think came out in 2017. Remember that? Remember that? I saw it in cinemas. That feels like a lifetime um, ago. Yeah. Um, I remember when the last mummy before that, the Brendan Fraser one came out. So, 
That's how you start to feel age is through the subsequent Mummy reboots. <laughs> um, but yeah, so with the Tom Cruise Mummy reboot, they announced along with it, in the vein of the Marvel DC Cinematic Universes, that they were going to make their own Cinematic Universe at Universal. And um, I guess instead of calling it the Universal Universe, they um, decided to call it the Dark Universe. And they had this like art splash art for it and they announced a whole slew of movies and like planned films and actors and cast and crew and like like they had a they even had a group photo with a bunch of the cast who were attached at the time which was tom cruise and the i've forgotten the name the lady who played the the new mummy they had johnny depp who was supposed to play the invisible man which was supposed to be the movie coming after that they had russell crowe who was jacqueline hyde who had a cameo in the mummy movie and they had javier bardem who was going to be attached for like an upcoming frankenstein reimagining and then the mummy came out the tom cruise one and it was just like fucking silence like utter silence because that movie was like the biggest train wreck and all of this fucking talk of the dark universe is just like gone into the ether. Just like everybody just quick, everybody involved on the production side, just quick 180 turned mid step and just walk the opposite direction. Like that clip uh, from the Simpsons of Abe walking into the burlesque house and <laughs> at the reception just being like, Whoop. yeah, that's pretty much what happened with the dark universe. And then it just went quiet, but they didn't like cancel anything. They were just like, yeah, we're still making uh, we're still making the Invisible Man. Meanwhile, like all of the attached directors were like rapidly dropping off, and then all of a sudden, out of fucking nowhere, Lee Winnell drops the trailer for his Invisible Man reboot, and everyone's like, "Oh shit, this looks cool!" And there's like no mention, no attachment at all to the Dark Universe. Now Blumhouse is making it. It's times like this. That reminds me how much more of a horror guy you are than me. <laughs> mm, yeah, I was absorbed in that whole saga. And honestly, if you go back and watch the Tom Cruise Mommy movie, like that is one of the most fascinating train wrecks, like cinematically, that I've seen in such a time. That was, oh man, I highly recommend it. It's like one of the worst movies should, I've ever seen. Should we but do it one day? So fascinating. I would be interested in it. We could do it in some kind of like special episode, maybe. I don't know. But I would love to talk about the Tom Cruise <laughs> movie. Uh, I'm, oh, mama. I don't know if I want to see my, it or not. Like, it's one of those ones. I, <laughs> I took my friend to see it when it came out, and she was mad at me after the movie. Like, legitimately <laughs> mad. And I don't blame her. <laughs> uh, we had an experience um, like that recently with Netflix Party. <laughs> I've heard of this. This is off topic, but we saw a movie. There was nine of us. I think eight or seven of us hated it so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was Easy A was the one that did it. That movie. I told you this before when you when you last told me about this. Um, that movie I've I've filed into a category in my mind as like movie that I thought was really good when it came out back like ten years ago but I'm now scared to rewatch because I'm confident it's going to be just cringe. It's it's so cringe and it's so boring. It's just so <laughs> boring. Um anyhow, Aww. Invisible Man. But yeah, let's 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 talk about Invisible Man. 
She's now produced by Blumhouse, who've done like a whole. They're like the horror movie like factory line, pretty much in horror- cinema uh, at this point. Is it fair to say they're like horror movie McDonald's? Uh just in terms of know. just in terms See, of the, the like the level. Maybe they're horror movie Costco. Maybe that's better. It's it's kind of like a weird thing where like. This, their main dish is, like, really mediocre to abysmal, like, trash horror movies that they can mass-produce, like, once a year. But then, on the other hand, they have, like, Get Out. And, I forgot like, they had Get Out. And, like, they have some occasionally, like, actually really good movies. Like, even movies that get, like, Oscar buzz. But then, on the other hand, they have, like, absolute dog shit, like... um wish upon was what movie they made that i watched this like absolutely like awful like think about all those like horror movies you'd see at like the video store or like in the the shitty horror flick section on like netflix that is just like you kind of look at the post and you go oh this is gonna be shit and it is that's most of their movies but um uh i saw this movie actually in Los Angeles um, at a big real deal like Hollywood cinema like I'd never been to one before it was my first time in the United States and it was the only movie I ended up seeing in the United States um, and it was pretty much in this huge massive mega theater like I'm used to in Australia cinemas being like you go in and it's like a big complex and they have like 10 plus screens that are just like separate rooms that you go into to watch whichever movie is screening in that that room um this was just one movie on one screen it reminds me of the astor theater in australia and it was the invisible man and it was like literally just me and my girlfriend in the audience what are you sure the audience wasn't invisible (laughs) oh no but it I think I I think it was a very cool experience, and it, especially with this movie. You you look back and like the um the cinema has tweeted. We had a packed out session at this time for Invisible Man, and you're like, wait, I didn't see anyone. Oh no! I've got plenty of these invisible <sighs> jokes. I'll keep yeah, them coming. I feel like they're gonna just keep coming, aren't they? Yeah, they're um, so easy. But yeah. I'll, so um, I'll cut out half of them, what did, and there'll good. still be like a hundred. Uh, we just like dub it over with better jokes. <laughs> it'll be like the audio clearly cuts out, and then like a different quality audio recording of you kicks in with just like a different joke. Oh, it's clearly like a clip from The Simpsons. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just put it in; it'll be funny. Yeah, people laugh. <laughs> That's all the better. Yeah. Um. So Harrison, what did you think? About the Invisible Man. I think it's okay. I don't think it's anything... Well, not to get into too much detail, I think the start is really strong. The first... Mm, 50 minutes I really liked. Last half I wasn't so hot about. Um, yeah, I feel like it could have benefited from being a shorter movie. And I wasn't yeah. super happy with about a lot of the plot twists and reveals and whatnot. I think there was a more interesting story that could have been told. But okay, 
I think it's exceptionally well executed in a lot of ways. And they definitely workshopped the idea because they're like, we're doing Invisible Man. It's a fucking stupid idea. It's a goofy ass idea. We're going to make it work the best of our ability. And I think for the most part, they did that until the, till towards the end. See, I like this movie quite a bit. I wouldn't say I thought it was like, at, like a masterpiece, but I, I think I, I really enjoyed it. I just had a good blast with it. But again, I am like a veteran horror movie guy. Mm. Um, but even still, like what you were saying before, like it's really clear that, uh, they actually took an interesting angle with this and the way they center the whole movie around essentially the emotional struggles of the protagonist played by Elizabeth Moss is essentially like a carrying driving force for the movie. I think was just like a very original and so simple twist that I think really worked, especially with the very IP of Invisible Man is like, inherently creepy but i've never seen it adapted in this way being like on the outside kind of perspective like the invisible man story is usually about the guy who is the invisible man the like whatever his name is um accidentally turning himself invisible and then losing his mind disconnecting from reality kind of thing where this is like completely original in that sense. It's like completely turning the whole original storyline on its head. And I liked it. Yeah, I think what you you touched on is definitely the more most interesting version like the most interesting aspects of the story is how they're framed like the idea cuz like you start with an idea and the idea is there's an invisible man big fucking shock (laughs) um yeah and you're like how do we make this interesting and i feel like they must have thought up a thousand different ideas and came to this one and it was definitely the right idea um it was absolutely the right idea um i do agree that it gets a bit much in the ending like in not necessarily specifically the ending but like in the like the climax it gets a bit over the top and there's some scenes which I don't really like that are just like, this is too much. Like, this is way too over the top and kind of like goes against what the movies, what's made the movie work so far. We'll get more into details later. Mm. But overall, I'd still say I had a, a blast watching it. As, a, as a, like a bit of a, a little bit of a film snob, I still had a lot of fun watching this, but... I love horror. I'm all about it. Even the shit ones. But this is a good one in my books. I think it's okay. It's sort of the thing where I think if you were like, ooh, that looks interesting, you'd probably have a pretty good time. Um, I don't think it's awful in any way. But um, I, I, it's a bit of a shame because obviously cinemas are closed right now. And I think I would have had that extra little bit of enjoyment in a cinema setting. For this one, because I do actually mm. really miss the cinema experience. Yeah, I, this movie was really good in the cinema. It's it's the kind of movie that I would advise either to watch in a cinema, asterisk, not in pandemic, or like late night home alone, like in a dark room, I guess. I guess those are really the two be- most immersive uh cinematic experiences you can really get 
Yeah, that's but, pretty um, um, stock standard. This is the kind of movie. Yeah, this is the kind of movie I would have watched like fucking on my computer when I was like 13 years old or whatever at like two in the morning and just scared the fucking shit out of myself. You know? You it's know, the kind of movie that like, um, I feel like, like that, I, oh God, there's something about that Home Alone at Night brand of horror that I really like. There's a lot of movies that don't even try to do it, but it, it seems like most of the horror movies I end up liking seem to have these, like, quiet scenes of the characters, usually just alone by themselves, just, like, freaking out because of paranoia, but you don't know what's... Like, you don't really see anything kind of stuff. Like, I had too many, like, late-night walks as a child from, like, my childhood bedroom, like, all the way to the opposite end of my house where, like, the toilet was to, like, be traumatized by this shit. Because I was just, like, a very spookable child, you know? Where am I going with this? I'm going on a classic tangent of mine. I feel like I'm in a psychologist, like, office right now, uh, spying on you in your session, because I'm invisible. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of, like, the small-scale, personalized horror storylines. I think, typically, that's just the nature of horror I guess that those stories seem to hit really hard. And I think this movie does a really good job of pulling that off while still being like a big Hollywood horror film, you know? It's no like, fuck, what's the last big Hollywood horror movie? <laughs> Not Tom Cruise's The Mummy. Was it It Chapter uh, 2? Yeah, It Chapter 2. That that I'll say that. That was a big, dumb, explosive kind of movie with like fucking dramatics and characters shouting their feelings and stuff and this is um a lot more realistic than that i guess a lot more grounded it's a very grounded movie you you bring uh, up uh, to a point you you, but- br- you bring up a solid point though because like this one definitely rides the line between like uh i'm not gonna say classical but like smarter horror like more personable mm. and and it has the big dumb oogly boogly sort of aspects to it and yeah you're right it like kind of pleases both yeah it it almost feels like one of those like little independent horror movies that i would watch but just the right amount of like mainstream kind of sheen to pull it off i think in like the hollywood setting it is weird because like this movie i think it's just that simple a story that it works it did have a lot of buzz. I had a lot of people talk about it before it was released. Like, it had some hype, which you don't really see for a movie like this. So, I'm not sure where that came from, but... You know <laughs> I what I mean? I think people just thought it looked good. I, I really think people just saw the trailer and thought it looked good. I know I did. When I first saw the trailer for this, I was like, damn, that's cool. I'm into that. I could just tell from the way it was shot from the performance and like just by the look of it i was like this looks like a good movie and i i'm a fan of the lee winnell as a director so i was excited to see it speaking of the trailer little tangent yeah (laughs) before we started yeah yeah we were talking about the trailer for this movie which if you haven't seen this movie and you're listening to this podcast for some reason um don't watch the trailer just go straight into the movie like take it Take it from us. Don't 
just don't watch the trailer. It gives away like the whole movie. It's uh, that's like outstanding how shameless this trailer is. Like it's a bit of a yep. meme because like every movie does this, but to the, the yep. degree that this one does it is ridiculous. Uh, it's just always sad because movies like this, these really met- like met- kind of meticulous, you know, horror movies and stuff. Like horror movies like this don't usually have, particularly this movie don't have a lot of big moments in general because the big moments are really specifically placed through the movie for, like, horror effect, you know? Like, they can't blow all their cards at once. And this trailer just gives them all away. Like, all the big moments are just spoiled. And not only that, but the whole structure of the movie is laid out in, like, trailer one. It's it's so bad because I don't want to go too much into it because just because we're not in the spoiler section anymore, and I, even talking about this trailer feels like a betrayal of that. Um, yeah, I'm 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 trying my best not <laughs> to to be as vague as possible around the story, but it's it's hard. But like the, the movie poses a question at the start of the movie and has a big plot point that's very ambiguous. the The trailer has that question, so as a, like when you watch it, you're like oh, what could this be about? That's going to be cool. I can't wait to find out what that conclusion is. And the fucking trailer tells you what that conclusion is, which doesn't yeah, happen until was, like this... an hour and 20 into the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's also kind of one of my negatives with the movie, but we will get into that later. and We'll be more specific as we go on so that we're not alluding to our uh, criticisms of this movie. <laughs> do, you wanna, um, do you want to go into a short... Let's Plot let's synonymous? let's start with a let's start with a quick quick synopsis. So um, the story opens with an escape sequence. It starts with this very effective little, almost like a short, I don't know, sequence opening very slowly on this quiet, very slowly and quietly on this huge modern beachside mansion, like very isolated, where. Our protagonist, Cecilia, played by Elizabeth Moss, wakes up at, like, 3.40 in the morning, like, springs awake, no alarm, and she sneaks out of bed and enacts what is clearly a rehearsed plan. Like, it's very... She has steps that she's acting out. We see that she's drugged her partner, who is asleep beside her. She then proceeds to, like, pour out the the leftover water, which had, like, residual, like, diazepam in it and moves with, like, agonizing caution to not make a sound. Um, she sneaks into the wardrobe where she has a secret vent slot in the where she pulls out, like, like a go bag. She uses a secret camera that she's set up to, like, spy on her partner through her phone. And, like, every step she's constantly checking to see if he's still sleeping. Uh, she sneaks into his, like, he has his laboratory downstairs where he has all this tech stuff. She, like, disables all the security systems, makes her way out, and then, like, bang, kicks the... She kicks the dog bowl in the middle of the kitchen, but luckily, nothing happens. Like, he's still asleep. She uh, proceeds to the garage to turn to find her dog just wide awake, just standing wide, wide awake behind her. And she has this moment where she freezes, but then decides, no, I'm going to let, like... I'm going to help the dog escape. And she takes its electrical collar off, but then in doing so, slams the car 
setting off the alarm, and she just fucking, like, bolts. Like, bolts across the field, spotlights coming on, climbs a fence, runs into the forest, um, comes across her... I've written way too many details for this synopsis. Essentially... <laughs> this is definitely much more detailed that... I expected this is, this or is needed. This way more detailed, yeah. <laughs> I remember this movie. I remember this movie way more clearly. Anyway, she escapes. She meets up with her sister who picks her up. Doesn't She doesn't seem to know what's going on. Uh, Elizabeth Moth uh, gets into the car. Jess says the bo- uh, her boyfriend like fucking comes beelining out of the woods and like reaches, smashing through the window, trying to grab her. But they speed off down the road and escape, not realizing that she's left her little pill bottle as she escaped the one that she drugged them with um cut to weeks later she takes up residence with her friend who's a policeman and her daughter and she's in like complete secretive isolation like she's in hiding for the sake of security like the nobody knows where she is besides like her sister and this policeman who um the brother doesn't know uh, the brother boyfriend doesn't know and like she's just slowly kind of struggling with this intense paranoia when all of a sudden the sister shows up and tells her that her boy her ex-boyfriend that she escaped from has committed suicide and in the wake of this there's a lot happens in the setup to set up this movie yeah um she essentially uh, pretty much reveals that the, her boyfriend was like this extremely abusive, controlling, manipulative boyfriend. Like he'd con- manifested so much power over her, her through like the years past that he could like control her every action and thought, and even escaping her, escaping him was like this huge ordeal, and it's like all this really intense content, you know. Um. And she slowly starts to kind of heal from the trauma of escaping this abusive relationship. When all of a sudden, things start happening around her. Things start moving on their own. Dun, dun, dun. Things seem to get mysterious. And she also, after meeting with... It all starts with some eggs burning. Some eggs suddenly burn. But yeah, so she, um, she meets with Adrian's her partner Adrian his brother who is a lawyer and responsible for his estate they clash but they get over it it's just like they don't really trust him but he reveals that uh, Cecilia's former partner Adrian is leaving her 5 million dollars in monthly installments over several years so long as she doesn't garner any criminal charges or do anything like you know get arrested or anything and this is when things start to go strange around her. Things start happening. She suddenly starts to feel like she's being watched. And it's almost like she's being haunted by an invisible presence. Dun, dun, and I feel like that's... Without getting into spoilers, we can't really go much further than that. No, I feel like you couldn't go into any possible more detail than that. That was incredible. Yeah, I wrote a lot of detail down for this one. I even have more detail that I realized I should skip over because it was taking too long. <laughs> but yeah, that escape sequence at the yep. start of the movie is very good. I think it's a brilliant way to start this. Um, it was a 
extremely good opening. My only criticism that is they should have had the title reveal like at the end. But there's titles the were so good. They're pretty cool, yeah. The title it pretty much opens on like the rocks by the water beneath the house and like the waves splash up and then sink down and as they drip down it like it's like it's splashing over like invisible credits and you can see the outline through the like foam of the waves. It's pretty cool. I really liked it. It's pretty I, cool. I actually have a note that no, just I, says sick credits. <laughs> they were cool credits. I did like them. Um but that whole sequence is just so well performed. Like one of the key pros I have for this is Elizabeth Moss's Elizabeth Oh my god, I'm getting tongue tied. Elizabeth Moss's performance 100%. as the lead in this movie. She, she is outstanding. She's really good in this. Um and this opening scene in particular. Yeah, because these this opening scene has a lot of really long shots. Like they just like mm. really slow, really steady, very tense. I was you understand. I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about the cinematography as well, in specifically the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It, it is like for the whole. It pretty much for most of it. It's a very tactical use of close-ups and wides. Like for almost most of it, it's a close-up on her face, pretty much, and it's like roving. It's moving with her. It's very intimate. And then all of a sudden she kicks that dog bowl in the kitchen and it's like, boom, wide shot, like static wide. Like we see her, it's like inverting that claustrophobic feeling and suddenly it's like fear of exposure. It's like she's suddenly like right there. And the way the camera even moves, it like does these tilts and like these uh, pans across to like empty hallways. And like there's always, it's always framed. The whole movie does this. It's a really good, whoever cinematography, blah. What the? I'm tongue-tied today. Whoever shot this did a really good job at framing the whole movie. There's so much good use of empty space. It's so effective when it mm. comes to this kind of narrative. And it really hammers in that feeling of being like vulnerable and exposed. And it's done particularly well, again, in this opening sequence. The way it bounces between the intimate close-ups and the wides it really portrays that kind of feeling that uh, our protagonist is going through. Yeah, what's really also special about this opening is that with very few words, you understand the situation. Mm. There's no Mm -hmm. one that goes, Mm -hmm. I'm in an abusive relationship, blah, blah, blah. No, you just know what's going on. Yeah. You know instantly. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure, like, there's only, like, I'm pretty sure uh, Elizabeth Moss' character only says, like, two lines in the whole sequence, and it's, like, her uh, talking to the dog. Which is, like, five minutes in. Yep, and then telling her sister to to just drive. Like, that's... Pretty sure that's it. Yeah. Very... When I saw that at the start, I'm like, oh, this is going to be, like, a cut above. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, like I said earlier, I don't think it maintains that quality whole way through but um this this opening scene is like very good very good very good alone like oh if i was back in like film studies this would be in my my list of of film studyable scenes i guess fuck i don't know (laughs) but uh 
Um, what else did I have written down here? Um, yeah, the whole sequence could almost work like without sound, but not not to uh, discredit how well the sound design is as well. Mm. Like again, like while it lacks a lot of dialogue, like it almost has no sound as well. The only sound you hear are pretty much like at least for most of it is when she kicks that dog bowl is suddenly loud and when she sets off the alarm as well also just like loud all of a sudden it's like when she just turns and sees the dog in the garage like dogs are essentially living noise machines like that is just like i'm pretty sure the dog doesn't make a noise but like it's just the fact that this dog could just bark and ruin her whole plan is just like we're the film is like hammered in how scary sound is just with the kicking of the dog bowl across the kitchen floor that it's like, oh no. Just this movie has really good sound design is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> like real edge of your seat kind of stuff. Yeah, especially like we said in that opening scene. Um, but like just the setup of the invisible man being this like abuser in like a relationship yeah. setting is like really quite Oof. genius um it's genius i'm a uh, big fan and they really expand upon that really well where it transitions more into like paranoia and like mm. fear of security uh, lack of security rather um and like really really good horror is when it takes it to something that's very um relatable and like very mm. um grounded even though something fantastical yeah. is happening uh this movie doesn't like it's not subtle i'm not going to say it's a subtle movie but it does it really well where you can you know someone who's gone through something similar maybe not to this degree obviously but and you can imagine what these feelings these feelings are like and i think this movie does that really well like the human aspect of it the first half really good because what <clears throat> what i found particularly scary is like i don't know if this is going too much into spoilers but um when she starts like yeah. when the invisible stuff starts happening there's a lot of doubt of whether it's real or it's just in her head yes. and her paranoia or schizophrenia or something along the lines of that that stuff's really powerful to me because like that's one of my big fears is like losing control of just yourself and like this movie mm. plays into that aspect really really well because at the start it's very very ambiguous whether it's like real or not and like yeah. very convincingly i th i think that was really really well done yeah you can tell i you can tell there was like an earlier vision of this movie that was a lot more i guess uh abstract in that sense much more psychological and like in the head of the movie is very much in the head of elizabeth moss's character but you could tell there's an even earlier like i could i can see the vision of this movie that would have been like my perfect invisible man movie which was just so much more interpretive almost and so much more uncertain i i that's the movie i wanted going into this and that's the movie I still mm. want coming out, but uh. there must be something that doesn't really work with that idea because it's clearly something they played with. 
yeah. maybe it isn't as satisfying as you think when it actually gets like yeah. written or like on screen. Um, That's a fair point. Actually, it would have been harder to kind of revolt, resolve, uh, turn that into like a full like three act kind of movie. Maybe like I can't say for sure, but like obviously they played with the idea and they decided against it. Yeah. Should we get into spoilers? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll start it and you take over. Um, so, <laughs> there's a lot of shenanigans that happen with him being... Oh my god. There's invisible. a whole sequence a whole sequence of shenanigans. Which the we movie c- pretty much just becomes a series of like unfortunate shenanigans <laughs> for Cecilia. Just like bad stuff just keeps happening over and over and over and over and over and over and all new and horrible ways uh yeah so much um we can definitely go into more detail about the specific shenanigans and specific uh invisible shenanigans but um so a lot of stuff happens um and as it goes further it becomes pretty clear that it's not in her head and there really is an invisible man and her boyfriend really is still haunting her even though yeah it's pretty much it it gets to the point where like she realizes that her life is being specifically sabotaged in ways that her past boyfriend would and like and in particular like stuff like she uh, suddenly finds herself disconnected from her sister like her sister stop is furious at her and will not even talk to her and she finds that an email was sent from her computer, which was with scathing personal details. It's like stab at her from herself, like at her sister from herself that was sent from her email address from her personal computer in her house. And she just is like the whole thing toys with that whole, like, is she losing her mind kind of thing. But this is kind of the point where she's like, no, her, her ex Adrian is, is somehow still manipulating her or like it, uh, no like what am i is what am i talking about why can't i talk to that um i feel like she becomes you talking is part of our <laughs> job right now i know um la- last week i was falling asleep on the mic this week i'm fucking wired i'm pinging oh um, no did you have some of those um, <laughs> cookies again no i dr- i this time d- d- have turned against the cookies those cookies fucked me up last week if whenever the hell our last episode for parasite came out there was a distinct point in that review and this is just a little side note where you were talking about like foreshadowing and you were talking about something to do with the um like the backstory of one of the key characters and I just completely zoned out for like a second and zoned back in and was like, oh no, how long was I out? And I had <laughs> no idea what you were talking about. And I just tried to play it cool. And I I can hear it <laughs> when I listen back to the podcast. But this week I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen. So I made myself like a, a black tea uh, before we started recording this. And I think that's a little bit more caffeine than I was expecting in my system. And... Uh, now I'm getting overworked and flustering myself trying to talk about spooky movies. But anyways, <laughs> so Cecilia, back to the movie. 
Cecilia hits a point where she's like, no, I'm not going crazy. Adrian mm. is, is messing with me. Adrian is somehow controlling me still from beyond the grave, question mark. But, or is she going insane? But she's, the funny thing is she's just like, he has the technology to be invisible. That's what he researched. Yeah, but we don't really know that at the start. No, and people doubt that he achieved it. But like, there's a lot of things thrown at. She's like, he potentially could be invisible. Like, that was his whole yeah. deal. Yeah. He um, worked in, like, some kind of military capacity on, like, tech and stealth technology. Yeah, like, optics something is what yeah. they use. Do it's you all, it's this- all, like, alluded to when she sneaks into the lab at the start to turn off the security systems. You see, like, this huge, intricate lab with, like, cameras and all that kind of stuff. But, um... As the movie goes on, he's, like, tormenting her in all these different ways. She ends up, like, a lot of the people that supported her end up leaving her. The family that took her in, they believe she hit his daughter, even though it was the Invisible Man slapping. Yeah. Um, And it heightens when she gets... She finally gets to meet her sister and it's like, I'm sorry... Blah, 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 it wasn't me. And then the fucking Invisible Man kills his sister. Get the Invisible Man gets you. That doesn't happen. There's a little bit in, in between where, oh, okay. like, after there's the scene where the, the daughter of the policeman tries to confront her and all of a sudden she finds it, it gets, like, hit and it really seems like Elizabeth Moth. Like, you could understand why even the daughter thought Elizabeth Moth did it. And the dad takes her away and flees. And now she's alone. And she has this moment where she's home alone. She's just like back to the wall waiting for like... Oh, shit. Yeah, no, I did. And she's just sitting, staring. She sprays like coffee powder all over the floor to see footprints. But nothing happens. And she stares at the wall. And this is really... There's a scene where she essentially tries to talk to Adrian. This invisible entity with no response. And the way it's shot is just like... Again, talking about... How I love I love how this movie shot, how it's just a, a close up on her and reverse shot just of an empty doorway, and she then has the idea of calling his phone number, which he he is ringing directly above her in the attic of the house. She climbs up where she finds like all this stuff that happened in like the wacky Invisible Man pranks that happened th- earlier in the movie, like uh, documents and like a kitchen knife and stuff like that. And she finds, she then gets a text message that says just surprise from an unknown number. And she then rushes back to the entry of the attic, looks down, see nothing. And then she grabs a tin of paint next to the attic, next to the door, because they're like renovating the house. And she drops it down the stairwell and we see an outline just of this, a man, essentially, which then bolts off and she jumps back. And then there's this whole sequence where she attempts to, like, track down this figure in the house with the paints, like, worn worn off. And then finds herself, like, savagely assaulted by an invisible figure. Like, lifted off the ground, like, punched and, like, dragged and thrown across the room. Like, first, like, real deal, like, invisible man action. Like, the invisible man is fucking real and he's here. She then manages to escape and gets an Uber back to the mansion from the start. Which is Which very is realistic, finds- by the way, that the, she just, like, gets a Uber. Yeah, that's what 
like happens really but like what people do horror movies have this tendency where people forget like common things or like that phones exist but Mm -hmm. when i saw that i was like that's good that's yeah that's thinking (laughs) that uber showed up very quickly but um that's true she got lucky maybe they'd have small wait times wherever the heck this movie was set san francisco um she then gets back to the mansion where she has this like explores the big empty mansion where she goes in the basement and finds the invisibility suit like she finds an invisibility suit which is like this black suit looks like it's covered in like almost like bug-like eyes of cameras just full body this kind of weird little little bit creepy kind of alien design sort of thing and she then hides it she takes it away and hides it in her little hidey hole in the in the vent that she hid her goodie bag in at the start of the movie and um then has another brief encounter with an invisible man which is luckily saved by her trusty dog who's still at the house and gets back in the uber and drives home um what happened after that oh yeah then was the sister scene yeah, which is like a big oh. turning point for the movie, and it yep. is so now. Just, yeah, there's the whole thing about <laughs> her going to like she's now framed for a crime. It's now extremely escalated. Now she's in a, a mental ward. Everyone thinks she's insane. And yeah. then what's really what's really good? What I liked about that scene as well in the kitchen in the in the fucking restaurant is. Again, shot really well. Shot like if you zoned out, you almost wouldn't... You'd blink and not realize what happened for a second if you were kind of like half paying attention to the movie. Because it's just like them talking. The sister's kind of like reluctant because she's still mad. Um, Where Elizabeth Moss is like frantically trying to explain, like whisper explain the scenario. And the moment she she mentions, like the moment she mentions that he has an invisibility suit, you see a knife lift up beside her and just go like... slit her throat and then thrust it back into Cecilia's own hand in like the blink of an eye like no like dramatic like camera work you literally just see floating knife go and then reverse shot throat slot back to Elizabeth Moth the knife is now in her hand like that kind of shit and then yeah taken away to some kind of asylum rested not looking good no, it doesn't look good for old Celia. <laughs> and then it like escalates to a crazy over the top scene. Uh, another little moment before before the over the top scene is while she's in prison, she gets another visit from Adrian's brother, the lawyer, who pretty much is telling her it all looks fucking bad. Like this is really bad for you. You are fucking screwed. You know, like you are not only going to go to prison, you're going to lose all the money. And they're going to, like, it's going to be really bad for you. But then he, like, leans in and whispers, Oh, but actually, um, Adrian is actually invisible and he's fucking with you this whole time. It's all real. And not only this, but uh, earlier in the movie, remember when you said that he was trying to get you pregnant, but you were secretly taking birth control? Well, he actually sabotaged that birth control and you are, in fact, pregnant. And she's like, fuck. So, not only... Is she being pursued by this invisible man? But she's also actually pregnant with his child. And 
he makes a deal with her. He offers her a deal to go back to him like nothing had ever happened and never try and escape again. And she would get to live out life in peace with their child under the fucking iron fist of this Adrian character, which she turns down, like fucking aggressively turns down, thrusts these notes to the floor and shit and secretly steals a pen which she then, in the next scene, pretends to kill herself with in order to lure the invisible man in to stop her, which she then fights back against her, stabbing the shit out of her and attracting the attention... Stabbing shit out of him in the suit, which starts to kind of bug out, and attracting the attention of all the security guards who come in and see this fucking flickering invisible man. And then a big-ass weird fight scene happens. How do you feel about the big fight scene, Harrison? It's, uh, <laughs> see, I was going to go into more detail, but I think the time has passed. This movie really, really lost me as soon as the first real big confrontation with the man and he's throwing her around. Oh, really? I was like, uh, no, I'm not into this anymore. And <laughs> this moment is just more of that. And it gets really dull. Uh, I laughed out loud in some of the st- stuff mm, he was doing because yeah. it just always... The problem with an invisible man is that a lot of the stuff he will do will look fucking goofy because it looks really funny <laughs> that things are floating. It just looks funny. Um, See, that's a really good point. Uh, <laughs> and there's this moment where he gets a security guard's gun and shoots him the security guard in the knee and it just it's a comedy shot i laughed out loud it was really funny uh it wasn't mm. supposed to be <laughs> it could it could have been a lot worse is what i'm saying like i still think is over the top as this whole sequence is like it's way over the top this is what i when earlier in the mo- in the review i said it feels like this scene is going against what made the movie work so well before to suddenly have this weird invisible action sequence kind of thing. Just, it felt like it was going against its own, like, strengths. Like, I liked the confrontation in the house. I thought that was good. But again, it was, like, intimate and personal. And this is just, like, what what me and my friends refer to as an owning the guard scene, which is typically a thing in a lot of video games where it'll introduce a new bad guy who then, like, walk into a room and there'll be all the guards... And this bad guy will then, like, just fucking crush, like, destroy in usually a cool, elaborate kind of fight scene, cutscene type deal. Like, just kill all these guards or take out all these guards. And that is exactly what this scene feels like. It just feels like straight out of a video game cutscene. Mm. Yes. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just, I would, I don't know if dumb, but it's just too much it's just too dramatic yeah, and too I, over I the agree. top like, like it feels out of an action movie and it, then proceeds into a whole chase sequence where cecilia manages to grab one of the guns off the defeated security guards and then like chases after the invisible man like firing at him and uh i i didn't mind that bit like that was a bit better like it was just because the fight scene was over um and it's also kind of like a fun concept, like the how do you shoot an invisible man? And she's like trying to chase this invisible man who's not making a sound. And it's a pretty interesting, uh, again, like it's a flipping of the, the car, like flipping the 
table tables what am I fucking saying the turning of the tables and that now Cecilia has the power but she still has like lacks the advantage in that sense that he's fucking invisible he, and um he gets really dumb in the scene as well because he's been so meticulous getting into her head and like by the way I just wanted to mention before that this the invisible man he may be invisible and hard to see but god is he quiet He's very good at being quiet. I imagine that's part of the suit. It has to like, be. Like, that's my understanding, because he doesn't make a single footstep. No. Or creaking anything. Like, nothing makes it... Like, the floor won't creak <sighs> underneath him. Do you think the nothing. suit has, like, an inbuilt, like, fart suppressor? Oh, it better. That mm. would be such a good fucking... That would be in Scary Movie. If they made, like... <laughs> if they still made Scary Movies in 2020, you can guarantee that this would have been a prominent, like parody storyline they did and there would have been there's the the scene earlier in the movie where she's standing out on the porch and she breathes and there's a cloud of smoke and you yeah. see behind her another cloud of smoke it would have been that but it would have been farts or vaping <laughs> the invisible man but his vape blows his cover he can't stop vaping he just cannot oh, he can't adrian you gotta stop vaping. The suit doesn't work if you keep vaping. <laughs> like what a water. And she can smell him as well, coming. It's like what smells like cinnamon bun. <laughs> um That'd be a great twist, I think. They should bring that in in the sequel. Yeah, now I, I my memory gets a little hazy what comes after the hospitals. Now she confronts him uh, again, again with she, the They cop. they have yeah, so before that, just a little bit before, so while she's chasing after the Invisible Man, he threatens her and says that he's not going to kill her because he can't because she's pregnant with his child. He's instead going to kill the people she cares about as punishment and then disappears. And we know that he has to be after the the policeman or his daughter. And so she rushes back home. She calls the cop to say he's fucking coming like get home like he's he's going to be there and um then there's the whole there's like another sequence where the invisible man like attacks the daughter and the the policeman and it's this whole thing and elizabeth must burst in at the last minute and like sprays him with a fucking fire extinguisher revealing him like he can see him he's outlined from the uh the like mist and she then like bang 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 like shoots him like three times in the chest and like boom he goes down she then sneaks crawls over to the suit pulls the mask off and it's the brother in the suit the lawyer brother this whole time question mark this was dumb i didn't like this see i i didn't mind it cuz earlier in the movie there was actually the line from the brother that was like like you of, like so afraid of him like you've been manipulated by him all this time like imagine being his brother you know it was something along these lines like he's been in my head this whole time like i like i'm i but i'm his brother so i have to like handle this kind of stuff like there's, there's something along those lines where it's like he reveals that he was also afraid of the brother like everyone was scared of him he was like a psychopath um and it also kind of explains like you were saying earlier how the invisible man suddenly gets weirdly dumb. It's like, it's because there's oh, true. two invisible men. 
this whole time there's been two it even makes sense how they get around so quickly and how the one was in the hospital all of a sudden I and hadn't why considered one that. Of them was pretty dumb. I hadn't considered yeah. that. Now, now who's the dumb one? It me. <laughs> I'm usually the dumb one in this podcast. That's I'm not what I was referring to. Sleep after eating cookies. That wasn't but what no, I was yeah, referring I... to. <laughs> but yeah, sometime later, Cecilia's released from custody. I guess they fucking couldn't deny that she was in fact being pursued by an invisible presence. I mean, and he. Yeah, going they back all to- saw it. There's there's security footage of that institution of the, all the guards getting fucking shot at by a flying gun. Yeah, like that's when he gets. And really then they dumb. did find the body he, in the suit, and he leaves Stuff several like people alive when he had the chance to kill them and like destroy yep. that evidence. But he just leaves them alive. Things, yeah, things get pretty scrappy, but I like to blame that on the dumb younger brother. I think he fucked it up at the last minute. But yeah, and. Not only is she released from custody, but news starts to emerge that Adrian, the the prior partner who was allegedly committed suicide, was in fact being held prisoner by his apparently deranged younger brother and is rescued by the police. And Cecilia's just completely does, doesn't believe a word of it, but agrees to meet with Adrian, who invites her over for a, a talk. Which is what builds to the, what is... The, what I think is the real climax of the movie not the action climax but the actual like this is the real shit you know this is like the kind of climax a movie like this needs which is literally just the two sitting down at a dinner table Cecilia and Adrian talking and Cecilia is attempting to get a now seemingly apologetic and considerate and genuine Adrian to admit that he was fucking manipulating things this whole time was behind it all along and it's the first time we really clearly in the whole movie actually like see adrian like we see his face we hear him talk besides this we like there were glimpses of him throughout the movie but we never really got any time with him and we see like we see him pulling all the strings like we see him playing this manipulator kind of like really like he's he talks about how much he like loves her and how he needs her and how fragile he is and like he but he just will not budge like cecilia won't take have a word of it and adrian is just like not giving her any like he's not budging from this this back this story he's come up with that he was held prisoner and eventually she manages to trick not trick him but get him to make a vague allusion to the surprise. He very specifically uses the word surprise in, in something she whispers to her. He whispers to her, which was a throwback to the, the threat that she kept receiving from the Invisible Man, the surprise. And she then excuses herself from the dinner table and all of a sudden... Adrian sitting home, sitting alone at the end of the table, just like thinking. All of a sudden, hand lifts up with a knife and slices his own throat. And he falls onto the ground, bleeding. Shortly later, Cecilia returns to the room, starts screaming, like frantically flailing, calls the police, like says that uh, he's like slit, like hurt himself, uh, like clamors over, like he's bleeding, like while he's bleeding on the floor for a bit. And then after she hangs up the call, 
takes a step back out of view of the security camera, which he knows is there, and all of like expression suddenly just drops to like cold collected, and she just like sits and watches him like bleed out on the floor. And um, revealing and the police come, including her friend. They ask what happened. Her friend, who was actually like on a wire the whole time listening in, didn't see anything but heard everything happen. Cecilia just says, oh, he just suddenly killed himself. But he sees that she actually also has in her bag the secret invisibility suit that she must have hidden in that secret wardrobe vent earlier. And now, but in the end, he lets her go. And Cecilia, finally free, leaves the house, finally becoming hashtag girl boss after killing her former partner. Oh, no. <laughs> I like the climax of this movie. I like this final scene. The final scene really works. Um, yeah. I really like the final scene as well. Um, I'm just not super keen on... And the only reason the final scene works is because of this setup, but I just don't really like the whole brother is included as well. I just think it's a little tacky and messy. I mean, it makes sense. It makes why they were able to fake his death. It makes sense why... Yeah. He gets dumb. Like, it all makes sense, and it sets up the finale quite well. But while it's happening, I was just like, oh, that's dumb. That's not an enjoyable reveal. Um, okay. I just... See, so, yeah, I, 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 I... This is where I, I think I differ from you. I, I really did like how that whole... The, the brother twist really caught me off guard. Like, all that. And it just makes sense. Like, him being like a lawyer working in that kind of field makes sense as to how Adrian would be able to get like a will and like all this kind of stuff seemingly legitimately and having his death part like seem so much more legitimate as well having like a a tool as a right hand man being his brother who like it works to establish his character even further as this like psychopathic manipulator having Mm. his own brother as a pawn who like he's willing to let die essentially for just him, his own gain. Like he is truly just like a sociopath, psychopath type. And like, I don't know. I've had some mid, some kind of middle experiences in my life with people who I legitimately believe are sociopaths, people from like high school and stuff. Very like terrifying kind of stuff. Like I'm not going to name names or anything, Name but there's just, <laughs> okay. No. Um number one. No. Um Top ten but, sociopaths in my life. <laughs> top ten top ten sociopaths did I met in high school. Um <laughs> But no But just like the way these plans seem to unfold and the way they seem to act, like nothing would ever come back to them. It'd be like these weird pl- it's like things seem so strangely planned and framed in a way to make you sympathize with them. Like, they would sabotage other people just to make... And, like, for no... Seemingly no reason and no, like, connection, connecting factor, but just to make things slightly better for them. Like, I, I, it's hard to give examples without being specific, but it's just this really bizarre type of manipulation. And even, like, I started to notice the way... 
I don't know. They start to talk. People start to talk to you. Like they can't, it's almost like they're trying to manipulate a power dynamic. Like a guy I know from high school in particular, like it's almost like you were either above him or below him. And if you were above him, he was suddenly your best friend. Like he, he'd do shit for you. He'd help you out. He'd, he'd give you a hand whenever you need it. He'd be super nice to you and all this kind of stuff. But then if he was like above you, like if socially, like kind of, he was suddenly more popular for whatever reason, he would just treat you like shit. Like you would be the butt of all of his jokes and he would like mock you and stuff like that. It's like, he's trying to get on top and then keep you down. It's like this really, really bizarre kind of behaviors that I've seen through a couple of people throughout my life. But it's like, I kind of see a glimpse of that. It seems like they've really done their research in to this kind of like sociopathic behavior in portraying the Adrian character. Yeah, it's a little more legitimate that you see in, like, other films, I guess. Wish I could think of an example off the top of my head. Um, But, no, I would agree with you. It feels a a little bit more grounded. Obviously, extremely exaggerated circumstances. Yes. (laughs) I don't know about... How many sociopaths you knew at high school that owned a <laughs> stealth suit? <laughs> I'm glad none of them did. I'll say that. Yeah. Oh, do you reckon, like, part of this... Because, you know, like... Where are you going with this? You know how, like, people ask you, like, Oh, which superpower would you like? People go, visibility. Is that, like, a jab at those people? <laughs> you know, because they're always um, like, I'm going to use it for my advantage. Kind of feels. I'm gonna use it to sneak into the girls' locker room. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's also something like I've heard weird stories about people in positions of power using their weird power to fuck with their exes. Like that's something I've seen stories of, like people in like the military and stuff. Like really weird shit that it's like shocking that some people probably get away with. Do you think they have stealth suits? No, but they have, like, helicopters and shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, Do you think this movie would be... How different do you think this movie would be if instead of the stealth suit, he had the Octocamo from Metal Gear Solid 4? <laughs> um, so, for those of you who haven't played Metal Gear Solid 4, uh, which is a stealth game, you get a suit there called the Octocamo suit, which is essentially just, like, a full head-to-toe suit you press yourself against the surface and, like, scans the surface and then, like, reprints it over the top of you so you, like, blend in. It's kind of goofy. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty damn goofy. Like, in a movie like this, there'd just be so many little scenes of this character just, like, running over to a wall really quick and just being, like... Like, planting against it. And it's, like... And that'd be pretty goofy. I would like to see that version of this movie. That would be a fun watch. Um, It would be much wackier. Um, fuck, what else? What else do I have to say about this movie? Where's it? I'm scrolling through my notes. So, um, I, I think I wanted to talk about this earlier, but um, I was waiting for the right moment, and that has definitely passed. But now I'm reopening oh, that moment. Whatever. Um, the best parts of the movie is definitely when the Invisible Man is starting to fuck with her. Mm. You know, and like yep. it's ambiguous. Like it starts slow, and it's very meticulous, and like. Yeah. Very, is he, isn't he? Um, and there's like a couple of really great moments. Like you said, the breath. Like when I saw that, I was like, whoa. And I was actually like, yeah. I texted some friends um, and I was like, hey, this is actually kind of spooky. 
I didn't expect that because, <laughs> like, it's called the Invisible Man. I thought it was going to be goofy as fuck. Uh, There's a lot like, of shitty Invisible move, Invisible Man type movies throughout fucking yeah. cinema. Like, there's, like, the Hollow Man or something. I'm pretty sure it's just the Invisible Man again in modern times, like, the 90s. I'm pretty sure... I remember hearing in the, Invis- the Hollow Man 2, there's a notorious fight scene between two invisible characters. That's gold. Just think, just think about that. I want to look this up on YouTube later anyway, but I, there's a fight scene between two characters who are invisible. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> They're like, how's that not played for laughs? Like, that's a really funny idea. And this is a serious movie, I believe. That would be so good to see. I want to. I I would love that. Two invisible men. That's like just fucking goofy as fuck. Well, look forward to the sequel, Visible Men. <laughs> one of the, one of the questions I was actually going to ask. How how do you think they could follow this movie, Harrison? How could they follow this up? Well, I mean, she will become the Invisible <laughs> Woman. Yeah, oh, but what's she going to do? She's she's fulfilled her like. Her goal, I guess, of escaping Adrian. Like, she, what reason does she have to become like a malicious mastermind now? No, she just joins the Fantastic Four. Ah, uh, <laughs> just Marvel crossover. Yeah, Hell yeah, bring it in. Turns out Adrian was actually Doctor Doom. Oh my god, he comes back. Um, because I know, um, back when this was the Dark Universe. They were slated to make it... Actually, The Invisible Man was slated to be followed by The Invisible Woman, which was supposed to be written, directed, and starring... Oh, directed and starring Elizabeth Banks. But I'm guessing that's just not going to happen now. Maybe they got the wrong Elizabeth. They called the wrong Elizabeth. They said Siri, call Elizabeth. And they called Elizabeth Moss, and they forgot that that wasn't Elizabeth Banks, and then they couldn't go back on it, and so now she's in the movie. I like to imagine that happened. Yeah, it got too far, and it got really awkward. But regardless, yeah, it got to the point where she came in for, like, a meeting, and they were like, "Uh uh-oh. They're like, everybody, just pretend this was intentional. That's what I really wish hope happened. Also, she was outstanding, so, like, it benefited the movie in the end. But um, how the fuck would you make a sequel to this? I kind of hope they don't. I'm sure they- I really hope they don't. <laughs> like, is is Universal going to try and keep this train going? Because this movie was a huge success. Like, it made bank off, like, a minimal budget. And I'm pretty sure, as 2020 is currently looking, it's probably the best picture. Look. Like, what contends against this? Well, so far? Yeah. Good point. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, what other movies? Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog by default gets the Best Picture nomination because there's no other movies that came out. Oh, that's the worst universe. Um, I've, no, I want I want to see that. Oh, I, I remember, a little bit of a tangent, sorry. At the fucking, I think it was the Golden Globes or something, a couple of years ago, Andy Samberg was presenting an award and Jim Carrey in the audience piped up and started causing a ruckus. And Andy Samberg was like, oh, come on, man, like... Like please, you're causing a scene. Like you're one of my idols. Like please stop causing a scene. Like what? Like uh, what? What? Um, yeah. Only the like we're trying to just give a shout out to all the award nominated, like the actors who had been in like award nominated movies this year. And Jim Carrey says, "Oh, actually, I was in a movie this year. Just finished filming. It's called Sonic the Hedgehog." And Andy Samberg's like, "Oh well, I'm sure then you'll be up here next year." And the crowd laughed. 
And um, now years later, Sonic the Hedgehog comes out. No other movies come out. There's a chance Jim Carrey is going to get nominated for his role in Sonic the Hedgehog. More so than we'd ever thought. And I really want to see him get like a supporting actor nomination. Because he was pretty good in Sonic the Hedgehog. It's an awful movie, but he was pretty good. What, what is and what happening else is right there? now? Are you sure Anyways, you didn't have those? Note. Did you sure you didn't have those s- cookies? <laughs> I've been slept cookies. <laughs> no, that was just a fun side note that I wanted to tune in. Um, I just really want to see it. Just to, just <laughs> it'd be so funny. If Jim well, Carrey got nominated. Going back for Sonic a couple, the a couple points. Yeah, well, I can't uh, remember where that tangent started, but what's going to felt relevant to me? You, want, oh, yeah. <laughs> wanted to know what's going to follow this. Best thing they could follow this with the biggest dick energy you could possibly do, just oh, fucking yeah. do a mummy movie. <laughs> <laughs> Another one, <laughs> and, and they do the dark universe, but actually do it, and universe is like fuck. Yeah, they just keep going. They pick up where they left off. <laughs> no, Tom like, Cruise is back. It's not to like if they just do a mummy movie, and it's like good. I'd be down. And they just do it a universe and they don't call it the dark universe. They call it like the bleak universe or something. And it just embarrasses. Bleak universe. <laughs> I want that t-shirt. <laughs> hey, that's my new band name. <laughs> the bleak universe. Oh my fucking God. I like that a lot. That's hey, really funny. That could gonna... be like a spin-off podcast name. We... <laughs> yeah. We're the canceling. Bleak universe. We're canceling Watch Out. We're starting up bleak universe. <laughs> Officially retitling Bleak Universe. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I really like the Bleak Universe. I'm going to try to remember that. Um, <laughs> I think, actually, legitimately, the rumors I've heard is that the Universal are going to kind of continue this train of like redoing, reinventing their classic horror icons. And I think next on the cards is actually some kind of Dracula reboot, reimagining. But I all I know about it is that the director, Karen Kusama, is attached as director, who she directed The Invitation on Netflix, as well as another movie called Destroyer with Nicole Kidman that came out and I forgot to watch. And I like that choice. She's The Invitation, if you haven't seen it on Netflix, is a very good horror film very psychological kind of movie very much in line with uh what we kind of wanted the actually very similar to the invisible man kind of structurally um i guess and i'm very i'm very interested to see how she could handle the dracula ip it's definitely going to be about some kind of like emotional manipulation or abuse of some kind but I'm, I'm keen for this. Uh, imagine they reinvent all the Universal monsters to be about like, uh, like overcoming abuse and like toxic men. Well, I mean, the original Dracula story is about aristocrats. Like that's the original attention, like attention about how like the rich suck up resources and, you know, exploit their power over people. So nice. It's not Woke. far off. Bram Stoker. <laughs> Hashtag woke. Woke king. 
Um, how, how did we speak about the Invisible Man for nearly an hour and twenty and not talk about the paint bucket? Oh yeah. Well, I mentioned. I mentioned. I did. I mention. I thought I mentioned that. Not really. Isn't like in the synopsis, but I didn't go into it. Because that's the best shot in the movie. Yeah, it's cool. And like, it's the the editing on it is like super tight, and like, it's just yeah. the perfect beat. Yeah. There's that like that twenty minute chunk where he's just like. Stepping on blankets, <laughs> vaping. There's some of the scariest shit. Yeah, va- vaping in the background, um, <laughs> setting setting eggs vaping on fire in the background. Oh man, <laughs> um, oh. setting eggs on fire. You know the good shit. Like that section, yep. I I was super down for the movie, and I just wish it held that quality in my eyes throughout. Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, that's definitely true. And you can tell even, like, that the uh, the paint bucket scene was actually spoiled in one of the trailers. But there's also a bunch of scenes in the trailer that aren't in the movie that are clearly from this segment. Like, even, we were talking about this earlier, and I haven't shut up about it for, like, weeks. But in all the key art for this movie, there's this shot of Elizabeth Moss and, like, a handprint, like, on, like condensed like like a uh, condensated like glass like in a shower like a handprint on on the glass screen that is not in the movie like there's clearly a scene where she's having a shower and you see like a handprint appear on the glass it's in all the posters it's not in the movie interesting there's, there's an also a shot from the trailer that's not in the movie of like when he takes her blankie and like takes oh, photos yeah. of her, and there's like a reverse shot, and it's just a floating camera, uh, like a phone camera. It's fucking hilarious, yeah. and, uh, and it looks like it's actually held like with fish wire. It's like, Ooh. yeah, but I kind of am, I'm into that shit. Like that's some like some classic B horror shit that I love, sure. and I love to see it seeping into the mainstream cinema. But, but um, but it's like- clear it's clear they had a lot of these scenes. Like they must have had a whole bunch of these scenes planned out in the script of uh Elizabeth Moss being tormented by this invisible presence in all fun and horrible, wacky ways. That they but it's also clear that they were kind of like and this is what we we're talking about earlier, the whole psychological aspect where like for the first act of the movie it's like is she being tormented by an invisible presence or is she actually going insane? And it seems like these kind of clash in the movie. It seems like sometime, it seemed like almost like they couldn't decide whether it was like, oh no, she's got all these scenes of being attacked by an invisible man and oh no, or is she going insane? And it seems like they leant towards that. You know what, let's, let's take away all the more intense invisible man scenes and keep it minimal. Like let's, let's keep it more... A little bit more mysterious for a little bit longer, rather than just have straight up uh, phone floating on the flywire kind of thing. Yeah, because it looks funny. It's like it, <laughs> it. It looks stupid. It does look a bit stupid, but I didn't mind it. And I'm pretty sure that scene is in the movie, but it's handled differently. It's that it's the miss. They're missing the shot where it's just like literally a, a phone camera floating. Yeah. Going, do I'm pretty sure isn't it just like a a shot of her sleeping? We see like a flash, like a flash photography. Yeah, go yeah. Off. See, that's creepy. That's way creepier. And exactly. I like that they, 
by dialing it back, they really kept it creepy in that sense. And I and I gotta gotta respect that because it's really they probably had studio guys being like, oh, let's have a scary scene where he pulls the blanket, you know, like every two seconds. Like the whole the whole movie could have been uh, just a roller coaster ride of scenes of invisible stuff getting moved around, and they didn't do that. They kept it they kept it very deliberately paced in that whole segment. Agreed. And I like it. And like the very first scene, I'm going to talk a little bit about the camera work. The very first scene where something happens, which is her cooking. And she's cooking breakfast for the family. And the the dad, the policeman, was like, oh, go wake up uh, my daughter. Like, uh, And uh, Cecilia runs off to go do it. And the camera... There's a few moments in this movie where it's like the camera does or doesn't follow the action. And in this case, it doesn't. It's this wide static shot of the kitchen. She's cooking and she runs off and we hear her running up the stairs and waking up the daughter. But all we see in the kitchen is this, this bacon cooking on the fry pan. All of a sudden, the heat turns way up, just whew, and then whoosh, and sets off the smoke alarm and they rush in like, oh, no. And they put it out and it's all done in one shot. And it's very cool. Meanwhile, there's some scenes where, for instance, after she first gets like told she's inheriting all this money, she's home alone packing away all these clothes she's clearly bought. She hangs a bunch on the shelf. The camera pans as she walks over and hangs it on a rack. She walks back, but the camera stays and it's framed on this dark hallway, like a dark door because it's late at night. The lights are all off. Just staring at this dark door before slowly panning back to her after like a good like 10 seconds or so just really i just really like i've mentioned this before i think the the way so many of the shots are framed in this movie are framed like as as though empty space is a threat and i think that's just so perfect for a movie about an invisible presence it really has to portray any empty space could be where he is and those are just, it's just done very cool, you know? Very good uh, production design on this one. And cinematography and all that. Like, I, I hope this movie does get some some kind of award creds in that sense. I mean, there's not much else for it to contend with unless, I don't know, the Academy sneaks through a bunch of little independent kind of art house movies last minute like they usually do. You reckon Netflix like- is going to try and buy up a lot of stuff to pump them out? <sighs> Maybe. Who really knows? I'm pretty sure the Academy just last week announced that they're changing the rules this year and that now the movie can be on streaming. And well, I mean, so I'm, I'm sure come end of the year a bunch of movies are going to just suddenly sneak through. Because there was and, a bunch of um, movies yeah. that are on streaming platforms, but they had a limited yeah. cinema release, yes. Yeah, originally the rule was like it needed to have like a two-week cinema run somewhere in America pretty much, but they've removed that and made it so like you need to submit it to essentially the Academy Award private streaming channel, which apparently is a thing that exists. Um, So we're probably going to get a bunch of, you know, Oscar bait movies that sneak through last minute like usual that nobody sees until after the Academy Awards are done. Mm Mm-hmm. But it'd be convenient if they were already out on streaming services. Then people might actually watch them for once. 
Yeah. Well, anyways, I think I'm out of stuff to talk about with the Invisible Man. If <laughs> yeah. 